Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about vulnerability versus oversharing. Because there is a bit of confusion about what does it mean to be vulnerable? What does it mean when we're oversharing? It's not the same as vulnerability. And I've also heard the term trauma dumping used before. Like, God, she trauma dumped on me. And I'll try to outline what that is exactly. (laughs) But regardless of what terms you might be thinking of, essentially, we're looking at pillar number four, our relationship pillar. And we're looking at ways to safely open up ourselves to other people, to connect with other people to take a chance on other people, all while striking that balance of not oversharing, not trauma dumping, and then also what to do if people react to our vulnerability in a certain way. Because if you're like me, if you have a background like me that has been difficult or abusive, and you had to walk away from all the terrible toxic people in your life, there will be a point when you want to find your family, you find your new connections, find your lifelong friends, the people that you can be yourself with. Human connection is really important. And so how do you find those people? Or if you've identified someone that you think this might be a forever person, (laughs) how do you know? And how do you open up with them in a way that's healthy, that keeps yourself safe, but also allows for growth and progress in the connection? So being vulnerable with someone means opening up, sharing your true thoughts, your feelings, your experiences with this other person in a genuine and authentic way. It involves revealing your inner self. You could tell them your fears or your insecurities or share your emotional state. And you do this with the understanding that the other person will listen to you, they'll support you, and they'll empathize with you. So if they don't listen, support, or empathize, that's your first red flag. (laughs) That's your first red flag that maybe you chose the wrong person. But when you are vulnerable with someone, allow yourself to be seen and understood on a deeper level. That will often require trust or require a sense of emotional safety in a relationship. Vulnerability happens in a lot of contexts, and this could be personal relationships, friendships, or even professional settings where trust and emotional connection are necessary. But being vulnerable with someone has many benefits. One is the enhanced emotional connection. Sharing vulnerable aspects of ourselves creates this deep emotional bond and intimacy with another person. It allows us to see and understand ourselves because we're also having ourselves reflected back to us. So for example, one of the most healing connections I have is with Kim, the woman who has become my wife since. And we've been together 13 years now. And so when we first started dating, I was still very much in my healing journey. I was a lot stronger than I was than when I first left my difficult circumstances, but I still did not have a great view of myself. I did not see myself clearly because there was still a lot of chatter in my mind and beliefs that had come from 
being raised by my narcissistic father who kind of had me believing all these things about myself that just weren't true. And so when I started to build that loving connection with her, she was able to mirror back to me things about myself that I didn't know. You know, if someone's telling you, gosh, you're so smart or gosh, you're so kind or gosh, you're so brave or any of the things that someone would say to you, it introduces these new ideas like, wow, really? Like, I've never seen myself that way or I didn't think of myself that way, but you're right because I do this, this and this. Having that emotional connection can help us to see ourselves more clearly, especially if we've come from a situation where we were not reflected well by others. It can also create a mutual trust and support. Being vulnerable with somebody strengthens our ability to trust and to feel safe. And that can be really hard, again, if you come from an abusive background where there was no such thing as trust or there was no such thing as support. Trying to ease yourself into that with someone else or feeling like you can trust them and you feel supported by them, that can also really help to kind of expedite the healing process. And it's for both of you. So it's not just for one person or the other. When both people are allowed to be open and honest, it cultivates that connection of understanding and support between the both of you. And there's also something to be said about validation and empathy. So sharing our vulnerabilities can lead to other people validating our experiences. So one of the things that my narcissistic father would often do was that he would invalidate my experience. So if he was abusive toward me, if he said something really terrible and I was like, that's not true, or I tried to stand up for myself, and then he would come in with something invalidating like, oh, you don't know how bad it is. You don't know how bad you could have had it. When I was your age, my parents did this, this, and this, and sort of trying to make the abuse okay somehow. (laughs) I don't exactly know what his rationale was, but, you know, trying to minimize the fact that he had done this by trying to supersede it with his own experiences. But when I started to open up to people and make real connections later, and I would share with them just a little bit about what would happen, like, you know, there was this one time when my dad got so mad at me, he beat me with this this metal clip at the end of the belt, the buckle, you know, and that was a really horrible experience. And in my mind, at the same time, my brain is going, well, it's not that bad because his father like hit him with something else. I don't remember even what the object was, but the idea was that there was already a part of me that had been programmed by him to negate my own experience. But when I was able to share that with Kim or with a close friend, and then their response is, oh my God, that is terrible. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That was like my first experience with validation, like (laughs) that someone else was telling me that this was actually terrible. I was like, oh, wow. And it happened to me a lot in my early therapy days as well. I would tell Dr. Art a story about something that happened and he would be like, Corey, that was really terrible. And then I would come in and I would be like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. I mean, it wasn't like I was like starving and, you know, in the slums of India or something where they cripple their own children just so that they'll be more effective beggars. You know, immediately I would have some invalidation story at the ready. And he'd be like, no, Corey, I need you to acknowledge that what happened to you was really terrible. Like that should not have happened to another human being. We're only able to get that kind of validation from loving and healthy people in our lives. Getting that empathy is so important to the healing process to being able to see ourselves reflected lovingly and being accepted by other people, understood by other people, comforted by other people. So that's definitely something to be gained if we take the chance on reaching out and making those connections. And we can also gain a better understanding of ourselves 
through self-reflection, introspection, again, when they start to challenge the way we view about ourselves, like I always thought I was pretty cowardly (laughs) as a person because I was always dealing with a lot of fear and anxiety. And it took a lot of mirroring from the people around me for them to be like, God, you are the boldest person I know. Like you are so straightforward, like you're just no bullshit. And it really took me a long time to be able to see that trait in myself and to be able to cultivate it and acknowledge it because again we don't always have the best awareness of our own abilities our own virtues and so it's good to be vulnerable it's good to share and open up with people but there are many times when vulnerability is not an option either because we ourselves are feeling too raw and the other person is just not the best person to be open with or it could be that we did not choose the right moment which we should share something (laughs) because it is important that the moment and the person be the right moment and the right person not everyone is capable of providing support and understanding when we need it and it's essential to be able to assess the level of trust and emotional safety that we have in a relationship before we open ourselves up to people. But vulnerability is definitely a reciprocal process. It's not just about you sharing. It's also about being open to receiving the vulnerability of other people. So by creating a space for that vulnerability to be exchanged between you, that's what's going to help you create that deeper, more meaningful connection in your relationships. And there's a difference between being open and vulnerable with people and trauma dumping. So trauma dumping refers to the act of unloading or sharing your traumatic experiences in a, we could call it inappropriate or overwhelming manner is probably more accurate with someone who is just not prepared or equipped to handle such information. Imagine that you were out at dinner with someone and you just dropped some really horrific detail and they were like, what? (laughs) And they don't know you very well, right? That could be very shocking. And not everyone has the same experiences that we do. Like there's a lot of things that I don't always talk about because I don't know if people could handle those sort of details. I don't want to just throw them around casually, willy-nilly, as I like to say. And so it does involve having a bit of awareness about when to share something, how much to share, whether or not that person is informed or prepared in order to receive that information. Trauma dumping involves disproportionately burdening another person with the emotional weight and details of a trauma without considering their boundaries or their well-being. So you do have to kind of gauge, like, is this person equipped to hear this? Is this person open and willing to hear this? And you can do that by just asking, you know, can I share something with you? It's about this, you know, it's kind of dark. And if they're like, oh, absolutely, tell me. Or if you sense any kind of reluctance or hesitation in them, Don't take it personally. It doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want to connect with you or they don't care about you. It just might be the content, right? What you're about to say might just be really difficult. And maybe oftentimes it's that they have a similar story and they're just not ready to go there. Because sometimes people are not open to the trauma of others because they haven't dealt with their own. And so I would not take it personally if you test the waters to share something with someone and you kind of get pushed back or get rejected in that way that they're like, "Eh," you know, or they just kind of turn away or, I don't know, maybe let me let me go to the bathroom and then come back. Or, you know, you just read the situation, kind of read their body language and see what's going on. But it is important to have support and to share our experiences in order to heal from trauma. But it's important to know the difference between sharing and being vulnerable and trauma dumping. Because trauma dumping can be harmful for a lot of reasons. It's that lack of consent, which I 
just tried to describe a little bit, when we don't obtain consent from the listener or for considering their readiness or capacity to handle intense or emotionally charged information, because that can be very overwhelming for a person. It can feel very intrusive for that person on the receiving end. Also, there's an emotional burden aspect. So sharing traumatic experiences can be emotionally draining and can trigger intense feelings for the people who are listening to us. And also for the person sharing. So when you're sharing something and if you're being open, you might yourself be really emotional. And I don't know about you, but like I get really upset when I see other people cry. If someone I love starts crying, oh my God, <laughs> like, like I start to get really triggered. I start to get really upset because I feel like I have to be able to do something for them. And so that's not always the time or the place to, to be addressing that. And so trauma dumping can cause significant emotional burden, either because of how we're reacting or because of the information itself. And so you don't want to overwhelm people or re-traumatize yourself when you're sharing. And also, you have to kind of have this awareness of boundaries, because if you're sharing something that, that they're not interested in receiving, then that's a violation of boundaries. It's a disruption in your boundaries. It often... When we think of trauma dumping, it's often disregarding the boundaries or the emotional capacity of the listener. So it's a violation of the personal boundary to force them into listening to something that they're not ready for or they're not interested in or they don't have the capacity to process with you. And also the absence of reciprocity. So trauma dumping is usually a one-sided interaction where the focus is solely on the person sharing their trauma. If you are just dumping information on somebody, that's probably trauma dumping. It's imbalanced. It's unhealthy. It's not where you share something in support of someone else. So for example, some of the ways I like to approach it is if someone is vulnerable with me and they share something with me, and I usually can handle a pretty significant amount of information because I'm battle ready. <laughs> I've been thoroughly processed as a human. And so someone will share something and then I will, you know, absorb it. I will be validating. I will try to reflect the good qualities back to them, trying to help them maybe negate any negative talk that they're having, negative self-talk. And then I might try to offer reciprocity by sharing something in turn, something of equal value. And that usually helps them to feel seen as well. Be like, yeah, this is a lot like, you know, what I went through and that was so hard. So I'm so sorry, that kind of thing. And so it's always just, again, it's this awareness. We have to have self-awareness in these situations, having open discussions about trauma or our personal struggles, having a sensitivity about where someone's at. And again, it could be a day-by-day -day thing. So someone might just have had a really rough day and it's not that they don't want to connect with you or they don't want to be best friends forever. It's just that maybe that particular day was just not the day to hear about this horrible thing that you went through, you know, that they are already completely emotionally taxed from the day that they just survived. It's always important to have open and honest conversations about our difficult experiences, but it should absolutely be aware of consent, about mutual understanding, about timing. Is this the right time? Is this the right place? Is this the right environment to support the sharing of this information? Both sharing and active listening, like can you do both? And not always expecting the people around you necessarily to absorb this information as well. So for example, it would not have been helpful to anyone to hear all my many stories of my traumas <laughs> in my early 20s when I was still very much in it. That kind of level of support is best handled by professionals. I had a lot of therapy back then, therapy support groups, that kind of thing. That's more beneficial for processing trauma and 
having safe, constructive conversations. Now I can talk about those things because we're many years away. I'm not the suicidal, bulimic person I was at 24. I'm turning 40, so we've got 16 years between us. So my conversations, my emotional reactions are very different now than then. And the way that I can talk about them is very different. So just be mindful about how you share information. But let's say that you're ready to open up and you're fairly sure that you're not trauma dumping and that this is consensual and this other person is a safe person to be real with, to share with. Then let's look at that. So you've got a safe person, the timing's good, you're not trauma dumping, and you're ready to open up. You want to be vulnerable. I would say look for red flags. (laughs) Not to be negative, but just kind of think about what are some things that might indicate that it's not safe to be vulnerable with someone. These are the signs that I would look for. One is a lack of empathy. Is this person failing to understand you, to validate your feelings or experiences? Do they indicate in any way that they're not emotionally available or capable of providing you with support? So if you've sensed no empathy from this person, they might not be the right person for you to do this with, to to open yourself up to. They might also not be the right person if they come across as dismissive or judgmental. So if this person frequently dismisses or trivializes your emotions, so if you tell them something and they're like, oh, it's not so bad, or they belittle your experience, or they respond judgmentally like, oh God, well, why would you do that? Then that's going to create this hostile environment for vulnerability, and you're not going to feel respected or accepted, which is absolutely important in vulnerability, is to feel respected and accepted. So I would also not open up to someone who was coming across as dismissive or judgmental. I would also not necessarily trust them if they were a gossiper or if they had, in my presence anyway, betrayed someone else's trust. So if I've noticed that this person has a habit of gossiping about other people behind their back or they have a tendency to share personal or sensitive information about people without their consent, that would be a red flag to me that they're not the kind of person I would want to be vulnerable with, that I couldn't necessarily trust them myself. And so definitely trust is essential for vulnerability. And so if they're breaching the trust of other people, they're probably going to breach my trust as well. And so I would not go with that. And manipulative behavior, if this person was manipulating other people or ever manipulating my emotions to their advantage, it would be a sign that they were not safe to be vulnerable with. So, for example, if I felt that they were ever trying to use me to get something or to elicit a certain response from me, I wouldn't really trust that. I would be suspicious. And frequent criticism or negativity. So if someone was always criticizing or responding negatively to things that I shared, like little things, not big things, I would feel like that was more of a damage to my self-esteem, my emotional well-being, that they're probably not the kind of supportive, nurturing person I'm looking for, and also a lack of reciprocity. So if I'm constantly being vulnerable, opening up, sharing my difficulties, but they're not really doing so in return, I would feel like there was no reciprocity, that they were just kind of either maybe being voyeuristic, they were just observing my struggles <laughs> without, you know, sympathizing in any kind of genuine way, I would I would be suspicious of that. So I would also not feel especially safe with that kind of person because essentially it's important to trust your instincts. Pay attention to how you feel when you're considering being vulnerable with someone. Does this person feel safe? Are there any red flags present? Uh, might it be wise to reconsider whether they're safe or trustworthy enough to deserve your vulnerability? It's crucial to always prioritize your self-worth, your emotional well-being, and to seek out relationships where you feel supported and respected and understood. 
And if that person is not giving you that vibe, then they are not someone that I would be vulnerable. I can't tell you what to do, but I would not be vulnerable with someone who was not making me feel safe in those ways. But let's say that you did find a good person and you opened up to them and it was authentic. You didn't trauma dump. You're fairly sure that the other person was not waving any red flags and you felt like it was a meaningful healing connection and the reciprocity was out there and everything went well, well, then I just want to give you a heads up that something might happen (laughs) after that. You might have done everything right. You put yourself out there. You were willing to be you, to share a personal experience, to connect with someone. You're out there. You're trying to make good connections with people. You're being brave. You're being bold. There's still a chance that you're going to experience an emotional backlash called a vulnerability hangover. A vulnerability hangover is a term coined by author Brene Brown, maybe you know her, and she describes it as an emotional state of discomfort or regret that happens after we share something vulnerable or personal with other people. So we feel uneasy. We start to doubt ourselves. We feel anxious. We start to question our choices in life. Should I have said anything at all? Was that a terrible mistake? And so when you experience a vulnerability hangover, you might find yourself questioning whether or not you share too much. You might start feeling exposed or judged, or you might start worrying that there were going to be consequences to your openness. Maybe they would never talk to you again, or maybe you feel really self-conscious or ashamed, or you want to go retreat or hide. These are all very normal reactions in the phases where we opened up, we shared something with someone, and then we now feel kind of exposed. And there's this this gut reaction, this trigger to that. But being vulnerable involves taking emotional risk. It involves stepping outside of our comfort zone. So if we're feeling exposed and we're feeling uncertain about how others perceived our openness, I mean, that's kind of part of the process. So I just want to prepare you <laughs> for the possibility that you might feel that way. But if you are experiencing a vulnerability hangover, just a couple of tips on how to move through that part, because it does not mean that you made a mistake. It does not mean your relationship is going to move in a different direction. If you open up to someone and then they never speak to you again, that means you probably missed a red flag of some kind. It's not you. It does not mean you did anything wrong. It just means that that was not your person. And I don't mean that in a romantic sense. I just mean that was not your person, friendship, any kind of relationship. They were not meant to be in your life long term. And that's fine. Let them go. Let them fly free. (laughs) But let's say that it doesn't send anybody screaming. You're just dealing with the feelings that you have because you opened up. So here are some ways to kind of process that emotional residue. One is practicing self-compassion, which you've heard me talk about many times, in which we remind ourselves that vulnerability is a brave act. It is a bold act. It is normal to feel uncomfortable afterwards. But it's okay to be gentle with yourself, to tell yourself, but this is the kind of life I want. I want a life with loving, beautiful people in it. And I'm willing to get out there and try things and make mistakes until I can find my people, I can find my tribe. So remaining committed to yourself, practicing self-compassion, giving yourself a break, reflecting on why you're doing it. Why did you choose to be vulnerable in the first place? For me, again, it was this idea that I knew the kind of people I wanted in my life. I knew who I did not have. I had a lot of people who were not good for me, but I didn't want to believe that there was no way to ever not have amazing people in my life. And so I was willing to put myself out there in order to try to foster these deep connections, loving connections, supportive connections. That was really important to me. So remind yourself again why you're doing this. 
seeking support. If you already do have a few good people in your life, you can be like, oh my God, I opened up to this X, Y, and Z new person and I'm worried that they're going to think I'm stupid. And so this person, if they are a good friend, they'll be like, no, don't be crazy. Like you've told me that story before and I thought it was great. And so sometimes getting support from the people who we are already connected to, that helps. And just again, remembering that vulnerability is a courageous act, that experiencing a vulnerability hangover does not invalidate the value of your openness. It's a temporary state. You're only going to feel emotionally vulnerably hungover for a smidge of time. So just be patient with that feeling. Let it pass through you and just focus on instead how much growth and deeper connections and a more amazing, authentic life, all the amazing things that are on the table for you if you can just stick with it. But all in all, I just want you to remember that vulnerability is a good thing. It is a risk, of course. We never know if someone we trust is going to hurt us, but you're putting yourself out there and that is something to be proud of. You won't make lifelong connections with everybody that you try this with. I'm sorry to say it's just a numbers game. That's absolutely true. But you will sometimes and those connections will be the ones that make your efforts feel worth it. Finding your people the people who make you feel seen and heard and loved. My God, it's just worth it. I don't know how to tell you anything else other than it's just worth it. It's made all the difference in my life, finding the people that make my life worth living. Yeah, I just don't know what else to tell you except that don't give up the hope that your people are out there. And if you had told me 20 years ago that when I was leaving my abusive family and my toxic relationships, if you told me that in 15, 20 years that I would feel so loved and so supported, I would just never have believed it. I had zero reference for what life looked like full of loving and supportive people. And so it does take time to find your people. It does take time to build loving friendships and partnerships, relationships with people, but it just enriches our lives so much. So get out there, make some connections, and I promise you it's absolutely going to be worth your time and effort and the risk. And that's it for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful. And if you would like to write into the show today and ask my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you through any of my social media or you can email me at corey at coreyamshum.com. But otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared for Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared for Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.